The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this episode, have you ever heard of set jetting? Well, Paula Canila, travel editor for the Irish Independent, who's normally jet setting, will be joining me to explain all. If you've been an avid follower of The Crown, like me, you'd be fascinated by an auction coming up which is selling off the sets and props. We'll be speaking to Bonham Auctioneers. Showcase Ireland opens at the RDS. We'll be chatting with a couple of exhibitors and Natasha Rocket-Divine on the bar and hotel decor you can replicate at home. If you'd like to get in touch with us on the podcast, you can do so by emailing us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. Now, if you've ever been to Hobbiton in New Zealand or the Game of Thrones tour in Northern Ireland, you'll know that there are plenty of people who are willing to travel to see the places featured in their favourite film or TV show. What you may not be aware of is just how big an impact so-called set jetting has on the tourism industry. Well, Paula Canila is travel editor for the Irish Independent and joins me now. Paula, you're very welcome to the studio. Set jetting (laughs) is a new one on me. Yeah. But actually, it's not new at all. It's not new at all. The more I think about this, travel loves its buzzwords. It loves every (laughs) every sort of December, January sitting down and thinking, how can we drum up interest in that? But so jet setting is flipped as set jetting and it's exactly what you said it is. You watch a TV show or a movie, you get emotionally invested in it or you love the landscapes appearing across your screen, be they Ackle Island or be they, you know, New Zealand. And you say to yourself, gosh, I'd love to go there. And really what set jetting is about is taking the decision to go and do it or tourism boards or hotels or big brands actually marketing it and advertising it and putting it in front of you as a trip. So there's all kinds of examples of this. Think about, you know, Richmond, the London suburb in Ted Lasso, or think about the hotels in White Lotus, or think mm. about Manchies of Inisherin on Acolyte. Yeah. It's all and over the place it, once you start looking. Is it like a deliberate marriage of, uh, say, a tourism board or, or a council or, or a country saying, wow, that series was a hit or that movie won an Oscar? We should make something of this? Or, or is it done at a much earlier stage? Because you don't know what's going to be a hit or not. Yeah, true. It's a, it's a little bit uh, from column A, a little bit from column B. What tends to happen is the, the, the hits that surprise people or that start franchises they don't set out, they're not sort of, they don't originate so much as this big 360 degree marketing package you're talking about. But once they catch on, they most certainly do. And you'll find destinations really latching onto them. Gladiator was shot in Malta. Gladiator 2 was shot in Malta. And Malta is going to be making a deal out of that when that mm. comes out. Uh, it's similar with Star Wars. Everybody knew Star Wars was this juggernaut Mm. of a movie franchise. Mm. So when we saw, do you remember that? It's about 10 years ago at this stage, but we saw that Luke Skywalker had touched down on Skellig Michael. (laughs) Tourism Ireland just could not contain themselves with Glee. They activated all kinds of marketing around it. Because they sent out location scouts on these massive movies all over the world to look for kind of exactly what they want in a particular thing. So is it a smart tourist board that hops onto that? It is. It is. And Ireland's uh, tourism board is smart. Tourism Ireland's job is to market and there's very much been part of our filming 
what would you call our our, our campaign, our arts slash tourism uh, strategies is to attract shows and movies like this. Wednesday, the Netflix series is going to shoot in Ireland this year. Series two mm. of it. That's huge. Vikings shot. Mm. You, you recognise Loctay and Captain mm. Wicklow when you watch Vikings. So yes, there's a lot of lobbying going on. Do they on. pitch for for locations? Yeah, they do. They oh, can right. put it they can put it out like that. Another great example, and you mentioned it earlier, is is Lord of the Rings, which was really seminal in kind of when we think about modern tourism and movie Lincolns. It started to call itself the land of the rings. New Zealand Air New Zealand pitched itself as the official airline of Middle Earth. Oh. They had they had oh, hobbits a, doing their in flight safety videos. <laughs> They had. I remember going just <laughs> after the first movie was shot to Matamata, which is the town where Hobbiton was, where you know they had the circular doors, the very pastoral landscape, and so on. And at the time, uh, the local farmer was just yeah. showing me and saying they they filmed it here, and you know there was a circular door, but the paint was a bit flaky. As the franchise progressed, it grew into this serious tourism attraction, nearly like a theme park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you know here we kind of enter territory was when is it too much when is it too cheesy when is it crazy and yet there are tourists for whom it's never cheesy enough <laughs> because you know there are people who get obsessed with films um, yeah. uh, speaking for a friend here so something like The Sound of Music it's 50 years old since Julie Andrews threw herself up on the nuns you know in the hill and, and arrived yeah. and there is still to this day a tour you can do around the castle and, the, and like a lot of these are in serious need of an update but they, they don't want to do it because it's going to ruin this this there's, there's dream an, yeah, that I, I get you completely there's a nostalgia factor the gazebo, there's over time uh, you know where the where you know uh, you are 16 going on 17 like that's still there like shabby and all yes I'll see I'll, t- I'll, I'll see your sound of music and raise you a quiet man <laughs> I stayed at Ashford Castle before Christmas and still playing in the beautiful Now John Wayne John Wayne might have stayed in Ashford Castle nobody else in that movie got the inside of it But every local was be it an extra or be it working on the set it's similar to Ryan's daughter in County Kerry and there is still you go to Kong today and it is still very much trading on it as Was there a big miss when that came out, not because I understood that the local that there was a, a bid made to retain the set and retain oh. um, the whole facade, which is all it was because it was all studio yeah. shot, but to retain the facade of the village and all that, and it was turned down by the Irish government because they said we can't afford to buy it. Really? I didn't and, know that. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and wouldn't that have been the thing to do or to recreate it? In, in hindsight, yes. Uh, like if you had been, if it had been a banker that The Quiet Man was going to be what it became, yeah. absolutely, yeah. that that would make yeah. sense. You see, there was, uh, lots of people were wondering after the Banshees of Inisherin, you know, what can I see on Ackle Island? Can I go to the pub? Can, mm. I, can I do this, that and mm. the other? Now, Colm Doherty's house is that old, uh, I think it's a Coast Guard structure on Keem Bay, which has been there for yonks and is beautiful. But you can't peer in the window and see his his house, you know, and the, the bar, as far as I'm aware, doesn't exist. So lots of the sets are built and taken down. Yeah. And that's for loads of reasons, including environmental ones. Yeah. So. And insurance, I imagine. Yeah. Um, right, Paul. So let's um, talk about then what, what it is tourists want from this. Mm-hmm. Is it just to be in that place? It's a bit like seeing a celebrity on the street. Is it is it that kind of sense of um, being part of something that just really landed with you? Yeah, that's a lovely way to come at it. Um, 
So I guess it depends why you're going. Are you going to see the landscape? Are you going because you loved the show? Uh, there's a there's a whole Emily in Paris thing that happened with Paris last year with the Netflix show. People just got really, uh, they got really connected with that show. They wanted to go and see the places that were in it where, where certain moments happened. Mm. People will often go to places to recreate certain moments. It might be in a bridge. It might be to try. If you remember in The Shining, there was a particular room in the hotel. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to pivot to The Shining. Right? Well, it yeah. gives you a whole other example and that hotel yeah. is actually called the Stanley Hotel in Colorado and it really leans into the mm. whole paranormal and the ghost stories and so on. So it may be for a very specific thing. Or like do you remember that. as it you've got mail with Tom Hanks and they went was it they, they went to the top of uh, the Empire State Building. The Empire State yeah, Building. And, exactly. Yeah. And in New York. Do you remember in Harry Matsali? Katz's uh, Deli. Yes. Oh, I've been there. I went I've there. I there. don't know why. I, I did think there. about recreating I, the scene, but I, I did didn't go do? ahead I think, with it. I, I think you would have been better at, at, <laughs> at I, 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 I was with a couple of girlfriends. Mine have worked out quite so well. I love what she's having. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Let's get back on theme. Now, some of the ones then that uh, are the most popular. You've talked about Star Wars there um, because of Skellig Magal. Of course, you can't land on Skellig Magal. You can't stay there. And even the bus tours are limited for the right yeah. reasons to do, with, to do with weather, but also to do with protecting the island. Yeah. So do you find that Americans in particular are disappointed when they get there and they haven't planned that properly or... The boat doesn't go. Uh, uh, they, 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 they make the most out of it. I've heard the guys telling me of people arriving with lightsabers and with Jedi cloaks. I've heard of proposals. In, um, the, the, the areas around it, like Port McGee and Valencia and that, also buy into it a little bit. They had a May the 4th festival. I don't yes. know what you call that. Yeah, you May, May the 4th. 4th yeah. with you, mm. etc. and all of that. Well, see, you were talking about how cheesy is cheesy earlier. There you go. There you, you go. You passed the line. the line. So <laughs> I think it's a great thing that you can't stay in Salic Michael. I think it's, yeah. it's amazing that it's preserved as a wilderness site and that the visitor numbers are limited. I yeah. think as long as guests or visitors are aware in advance. Okay. That, that's the important thing uh, in, in that sense. That they know. Now, uh, the lush one, the gorgeous one, the one that everybody loves is White Lotus. Yeah. So tell us where that is and talk to me a little bit about the hotel that now everybody in the world wants to stay in. If you can afford it. So a White Lotus seri- Series 1 Hawaii. Series 2, Sicily. A lot mm. closer to home. Aer Lingus has new flights to, to Catania this year. And it's a four, they're both four seasons resorts, but they're very high end. I, I checked the rates. I believe they were in the high hundreds or about 1,200 a night. It's a real, you know, you, it, it's beautiful. This is San Domenico Palace. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you've got, you know, literally out the window, Mount Etna in the backdrop, Taormina down the road, Sicily, beautiful, uh, beautiful mix of, of real, authentic, gritty Italy and the absolute romantic vision of it. Could you stay somewhere kind of cheap and cheerful and go up there for a cocktail? Oh, good question. I don't know Would the they answer to that, that, but it's a good tip generally. Yeah. You can often do that for the bar or for afternoon tea. They're, they tend to be looser yeah. times where they I know somebody who did that in one of those outside. super posh hotels in Dubai. You know, one of those yeah. big tower hotels and they said, we'll just go in for a beer. Uh, but there was a minimum 50 euros spent. <laughs> go to Ashford Castle for afternoon tea, just as an okay. example. I mean, if you are a quiet man, yeah fan and you don't want to spend over 500 euro a night in a room Yeah, you can okay. So, but the, the White Lotus has reignited this conversation it was one of the shows particularly last year when this series was on and we were all chatting about it and I remember it wasn't just set in the resort 
they were down at the beach. Mm. You could see Isla Bella, the beautiful yeah. teardrop-shaped island that comes out from the shore near Tarmina. So it, it layers it on over the six weeks or eight weeks, however long it is. You get invested in the characters, you get to know the resort, you see the locations and you get this whole Sicily thing going on. Whether or not it is the direct inspiration for you to book the trip or whether three years later you circle back and have a bit of a glow, mm. it's working on mm. a few different levels, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I haven't seen the Italian Tourist Board specifically say, take a go White there. Lotus tour. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm really sure that if I go to Sicily, White Lotus is in my mind. Well, I'll tell you where it is, punching out the tours. And I was in um, Dubrovnik uh, last year, the year before, and every single place I wanted to go was made more expensive by Game of Thrones, which I've never seen and had no interest in. And I found that the boat ride over to this island where I wanted to go for different reasons uh, had doubled in price because oh. of Game of Thrones. And there were people, when we looked out the hotel room window, there were people going up and down dressed in all this gear. Um, and they were the tour guides up and down the yeah. <laughs> to Bravani. And you're like... What yeah, like that kind of ruined it for me a little bit. But Great it was very point. Popular. You're moving into an interesting question here, which is destinations need to be careful what they wish for at the same time. So Game of Thrones was, I would say, a runaway success for Northern Ireland. Yeah. It got great business out of it, has the Game of Thrones studio tour and all the rest of it. Mm. For somewhere like Dubrovnik, which like Venice, uh, like Santorini, is already struggling with over-tourism, having an extra influx of people who are just interested in seeing the movie locations is Mm -hmm. problematic. So yes, you see that upwards pressure on prices. You see they're publicising codes of behaviours for tourists mm. now asking them to be quiet at certain times mm. and um, the I think the prime example of this is a beautiful Thai cove uh, that appeared in a movie with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio I can't remember exactly how long ago called The Beach do you remember that oh, movie? Ah yes and yeah. the idea was this was a secret cove you found the map you made your okay. way to it and it was just you had it to yourself and of course it all went wrong with the movie <laughs> It all went wrong and for a different reason in real life because 4, people as turned word up. of mouth yeah. grew, as it was shared online right. and so on, that the, the hordes descended and they ended yeah. up having to close the beach for a, a small number of years to let the coral recovery. It's back open again and it's exactly that kind of theme park okay. attraction you're talking about. And Instagram about. has a lot to answer for. Oh, for oh 100%. Yeah, yeah as, as many of these movies we're talking about happened like pre-Instagram mm. like The Quiet Man mm. and the Music etc but now that the, the the power of social media the power of streaming Netflix wasn't mm. around Prime wasn't mm. around Well I must say I'm a tiny bit guilty um, before we finish up I was over in Matera in southern Italy uh, Puglia last year oh, <laughs> and I ended up at the top of this castle and the, I've never been there before but this view looked really familiar to me and it turned out it was the one where James Bond oh. uh, Daniel Craig went herring around on a motorcycle up over the rooftops Yeah I found myself like an Egypt. And I wasn't the only one, Paul. I wasn't the only one. Looking it up, uh, this clip of the movie on my phone while I'm looking As you at were there. The, I mean, it's that. kind of embarrassing, that. isn't ah, it? What's wrong with that? I, I, isn't, isn't part of, of travel is that you are there. Yeah. It whacks you. Whether you're looking at the Empire State Building in New York 
or that's I know, that I know. This also says something about our relationship with the screen. Was despite all of this media we have, yeah. something about isn't a show it magic on the still? Telly, yeah, uh, or in the cinema. Okay, now where can people find out more about all the places you've been and the places that you are showcasing? Well, today in the Irish Independent, we have our Reader Travel Awards, so our readers are suggesting all the places they love to go and their favourite destinations. So okay. do, do check that out. Pick up a copy of the Indo today, and thanks very much. <laughs> Sadly, fans of The Crown, and I'm one of them, as listeners know, uh, finished their royal journey after season six uh, in December when it landed on Netflix. But that leaves more than 450 costumes, sets and props from the award-winning series, which are now to be put up for auction at Bonhams in London. And they're going on display uh, next month. Joining me now to tell us more is Charlie Thomas, Bonhams Head of Sale. Charlie, you're very welcome to The Home Show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, um, first of all, why is The Crown having this auction of props and sets and costumes? Uh, great question. First of all, nothing like this has ever been done before. I mean, the whole production has never been sold. And we've done we've done lots of celebrity sales for, like Roger Moore, Michael Caine. But to set the whole production is um, is pretty unique. And I mean, the reason it's come about is because Left Bank Pictures, who make The Crown, um, obviously, you know, the season six is coming to an end and they, you know, have been at Elstree for, for many, many years and have accumulated a lot of things and had a lot of sets and, and made a lot of costumes. And um, so it's their idea to, uh, to, to do an auction and everything from the live auction is going to charity and it's going to the National Film and Television School, which is it's a wonderful legacy uh, um, of the crown. Now, I know that a lot of the items were made meticulously. We did have uh, one of the production designers on the show last year and um, the the attention to detail in in even things like, you know, tassels on curtains or the fabric Mm -hmm. sourcing for, you know, costumes, it really was very, very special. It's absolutely. And I think that is the thing that is, I mean, it blew our minds when we first went to uh, Elstree uh, studios, uh, gosh, 14 months ago when the uh, project was first being discussed. And I think, you know, the reaction of the people that have um, that have come to, to view the exhibition, and it's a free exhibition running until the 5th of February, um, I think, you know, they have been absolutely blown away by the fact that, you know, the detail is so amazing. When you look at the costumes, when you, when you watch The Crown, you know, you're focusing on the characters and the story. You don't notice the... Um, uh, uh, you know the detail, but when you look at the costumes, you get up close to them, which you can do at Bonhams. You know everything is hand embroidered, and it's not just the bits you see on the show; it's everything. You know, mm. it's the whole of the dress is hand embroidered, and um, yeah, I mean the level of detail is just phenomenal. I remember seeing um, certain items like Diana's wedding dress. It, it was it was very fleeting. I mean, they didn't they didn't recreate the wedding, but yet the dress must have taken hundreds of hours to create for something that was only kind of flashed by in a minute on the television. So there was that attention to detail and that sourcing of, of original um, materials. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And it's not just the dresses, it's, it's the set decorations as well. Mm. So it's the, um, it's the, uh, um, yeah, the, the gold state coach. You've yes, got... tell us about some of the items you have here. The state coach, which is this golden carriage that brings, people will have seen Charles's coronation um, uh, last year. Tell us about that. First of all, when you walk into the building and you see it, it's the scale that will first take your breath away. Um, but then when you get close to it, I mean, it, the level of detail. So they bought a, a, a coach, a, so it's on the, built on a visual chassis. 
And then they, they built it up to recreate what is, we believe, the only reproduction Gold State coach anywhere in the world. Um, and But I have it on, on good authority that actually it's a lot more comfortable. <laughs> it's incredibly well sprung. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you see it in the show, but it, you don't, you know, it, it's it's in the, in the scenes that you see it, it's fleeting. And, um, you know, the fact that they they built this incredible coach is just extraordinary. And it's it's not, you know, it's a coach, it's a costume, it's a set for Downing Street, it's a set for mm. near Buckingham Palace. Um, and I think it's, it's you know, even down to the letters in the envelopes, when you look at the envelopes, the stamps, you know, you you, you see the stamp and you think oh, it's Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. But actually, you look at it, it's Claire Foy or it's Olivia Coleman or Melda Staunton. Right, of course, because they had to have pictures and of, of the characters, of the actors playing the parts rather than the, the real live people uh, that, that we know on it. So so that is how, how um, detailed it is. Now, t- the carriage itself, what, like, is that full size, uh, Charlie? It is. It's full size right. and it's in full working order. So wow. if any of your listeners have got uh, six horses, you know, you can mm. strap them to it and, and, you know, off you go. As you do. And tell me what the guide price on something like that would be. So the, the carriage is actually our most expensive lot. It's thirty to £50,000. Uh, um, but actually, the, the, the price range throughout the whole of the auction is, is huge. And, you know, the most uh, modestly estimated lots, you know, start from 60 to £80. Pounds. So it's really, there are items for every every uh, uh, price point and every budget. Indeed. Now, I was interested to see in particular the recreation of number 10 Downing Street. Now, this is the facade um, yes. of, of Downing Street, which was obviously needed because there was a succession of prime ministers throughout the crown and it was always yeah. featured with the railings and the black door that everybody's familiar with. Uh, so, so talk to me about the, what's included in that lot. So it's, um, when, when it was in Elstree, obviously you had uh, number 11 attached to it and it was, you know, the full Downing Street that, that you see in the show regularly. Um, when it was taken down, it's, it's, it's the, the, the front door, it's the, um, um, the, the surroundings of the front door, and then you've got the railings. The railings are all cast iron um, and also, uh, uh, oh, I beg one, cast iron and wrought iron um, and all made, you know, by hand by blacksmiths, uh, by the construction department. The front door, is a, it's a real door with a real knocker and a real door pull. I mean, spectacular attention. Wow. So it's not like MDF and a bit of plastic. No, I mean, absolutely not. No, I mean, if you know, if anyone's looking for a door upgrade, you know, you could you could take the front door <laughs> and, and put it on your door. And, as long as your door, as long as your house is number 10, something, isn't that right? <laughs> OK, um, that that's incredible. Now, one of the lots, of course, I, I was very interested in seeing uh, some of Princess Diana's uh, costumes, of course, or or as she was played by Emma Curran or Elizabeth Beaky, are on uh, sale as well uh, in this mm-hmm. auction. And one of the dresses, of course, that lots of people will be familiar with was the so-called revenge dress, um, the black kind of one-shoulder dress that she she wore the night that Prince Charles, as he then was, um, gave, gave an interview on on television about infidelity. That the original of that, interestingly enough, is in Ireland. It's down in the Newbridge um, uh, Kildare uh, Museum of Style Icons. But mm. you're selling the costume version. Yes, absolutely. So, first of all, it's not exactly the same. It's inspired by, um, and I think, you know, it, it's definitely one of lots that have caused most attention. I mean, it's had interest from around the world, and it'd be really interesting to see where it ends up. Um, but it's, it's when, you, when you watch on the show, you know, you're, you're so fixated by Elizabeth Tabicki, who looks absolutely amazing um, in it. But when you see it in the, in the exhibition here at Bonhams, it's on a mannequin. 
Mm. The level of detail that's gone into it. I mean, it is absolutely beautiful. And of course, um, the engagement ring uh, that Diana wore and that now the Princess of Wales, the current Princess of Wales, uh, Kate, is wearing, that is available as well. And that was a very, very close match to this iconic piece of jewellery. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, I mean, this one is only costume jewellery. It's not a real sapphire uh, enclosed by real diamonds. But, you know, it is as good as you're going to get without um, actually having the real thing. And it's it's amazing the amount of people have looked at it and have been, you know, again, blown mm. away by mm. by just how realistic it is. And the guide, of course, uh, two to three thousand pounds. There's already an enormous audience and, and particularly, I think, Americans when royal, actual royal memorabilia gets sold off, old letters that they wrote or photographs or, or signed things. Um, so one would expect huge interest in this auction, Charlie? Yes, I think it's it's the auction um, is, is, well, I know the auction's attracted interest from around the world. I think the buyers are, it, it's going to be really interesting to see where the buyers come from. But I, it's certainly not going to be just UK-based. It's going to be a lot coming from America. Mm. We've had a lot of interest in the Far East. We've had a lot of interest in the Middle East. And, you know, we've, we've had you know plenty of interest in Australasia. So it's it'll be fascinating to see where these, and these items end up uh, going. We did an item just before the break on set jetting where people fly off to movie or film destinations, um, you know, because they've yeah. they've loved it. And I'm just yeah. wondering, is there a possibility that there might be a crown set or museum set up somewhere around the world that might feature some of these items? Well, it's, you know, when you, when you come in and you see the exhibition here, it's such an immersive experience because we've got the music playing. Uh, we've got the, the, you know, the, the videos and the interviews going. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of people said, you know, my goodness, you know, I can't believe it's all going to be dispersed in, mm. in three weeks' time. And um, and I think, you know, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if some of these items went to museums? I think so. I think so. And I hope maybe some of the London museums will take the chance to pick them up as well. Now, tell us how we can get a look at it and where, when and where it's on and when the auction is, Charlie. Uh, great question. So anyone can come. It's a completely free exhibition running till the 5th of February at 101 New Bond Street. Um, you can book a ticket uh, via our website uh, uh, through the Eventbrite link. It's absolutely free. There's no need to buy a catalogue. You just turn up and um, everyone is all very welcome. The auction itself is a live auction of 161 lots on the 7th of February, and that kicks off at 12. And then the online auction, which is live now and finishes on the 8th of February. All right. And if you fancy your own carnation robes or indeed that golden carriage, uh, where can people find out more? So uh, very easy. Just go to bonhams.com and all the information is there. It's on the on the front page. Charlie Thomas, head of sale at Bonhams. The best of luck with that auction. And indeed, um, uh, if anybody does buy an item off that, well, why don't you give me a call here and we will have you on the home show and you can bring it in with us. All right, Charlie, thank you very much indeed. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Showcase, one of Ireland's largest trade shows, returns to the RDS Dublin from uh, tomorrow until Tuesday with 400 exhibitors and more than 4,000 visitors from Ireland and overseas. Joining me now are two of the exhibitors at it, uh, Heather McKay from Head in the Clouds and Amy Cahill, founder of Oxmantown Skincare. You're both very welcome along to the home show. It was a busy time. Thank you for for making some time to see us because I know you're probably setting up stall and getting all your products out and all of that. Um, Heather, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about your business and how you got started. 
Okay, well, my business is a greeting card company. Um, I'm an illustrator by uh, training and I used to make greeting cards just for family and friends and things. And then I got to a stage where I just couldn't produce them often enough or, (laughs) you know, produce enough stock. So I decided to start my own company. I was also kind of um, trying to figure out what I was doing as an artist. A lot of artists go to art college, they come out and they don't, there's no trajectory that is like, you know, the path. There's no path. Mm. You just go for it. Uh, so I decided to try my hand at doing the greeting card. Now your artwork uh, is lovely. It's kind of quirky, happy cartoon characters, you know, yeah. um, like nearly like those stick characters with, with gorgeous, you know, <laughs> fabulous hair or loads yeah. of uh, accessories on. They're absolutely gorgeous. Where do you get the idea for them? Um, they just kind of come out of me somewhere. I don't know. I, like I, I can, I usually can only draw when I'm kind of feeling happy, and it kind of takes me out of. Uh, I don't know if you're having a bad day or anything like that. If you just start drawing and you lose yourself in it, it's it's. They often talk about mindfulness exercises and things now, and I think when I do my art, it's a really mindful thing to mm-hmm. do. Um, and those characters have been popping out for years and years and years, and then they just keep going. So um, yeah, they're they're kind of part of the family. You feel like you're birthing little people. Or every time you draw <laughs> and there's st- still loads of them in there. Yeah, totally. Right, very good. Uh, now, Amy, wellness has, uh, it's a new segment in Showcase this year. And my goodness, it's a new segment everywhere, isn't it? That whole that whole sense of self-care. And if you can't sell it in Stony Batter, you can't sell it anywhere. <laughs> Tell us about what it is that you produce. I create natural skincare products for the face and body. Um, and I've created this range um, to help restore the skin to its natural health and radiance um, in a f- few simple skincare steps. Mm. So are we talking then about about face creams and serums and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, it's all about taking a few minutes for yourself in the evening after a busy day to carve out some like self, self-care. Um, so starting with, say, cleansing your face with our cleansing oil and cleansing balm and then moving on to like our cleansing oil and then maybe finishing with our facial serum and or our face cream. Um, Heather, uh, what do you hope to get from Showcase? Now, this is a trade expo, so unfortunately listeners can't go along. Well, maybe they can if they own a, <laughs> own a shop or, or, you know, are, are, are selling and buying that stuff. As far as a Showcase goes, it's kind of the, the big event of the year in the RDS for trade. Um, and what I've been in business for 23 years now. And when I started out, you know, we, we were trying out products and, and meeting buyers and the buyers are extremely knowledgeable. So there's a whole bunch of different sections. So there's giftware and then there's the wellness and um, fashion. There's all sorts of beautiful, beautiful things. And it, when I go to showcase, it kind of feels like you're in there with the best of Irish design. Yeah. You're seeing new ranges. You're seeing things that you've seen for years that are kind of... Um, just very classical Irish identity pieces. And so it, there's a sense of pride when you go to showcase. Mm, mm. Um, so it is the place to go. And I definitely, when I was there last year, saw loads of buyers that I hadn't seen for quite a while from, you know, because of COVID and everything. But yeah. it's gorgeous to see them. So the, it's like meeting old friends in a way. Great. OK, well, listen, the very best of luck to both of you. I hope it is a flyer for you. Uh, showcase uh, is at the RTS, as I say, from tomorrow to Tuesday. It's trade only. So if you're running a shop or business, do head along. You can find more on showcaseireland.com. Heather McKay from Head in the Clouds and Amy Cahill of Oxmantown Skincare. Thanks for joining us on The Home Show. Thank you. Thank you.
and you're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast. Uh, I'm Sinead Ryan. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it's the Home Show at Newstalk.com and you can find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. Now, I was talking at the top of the show about, you know, uh, movies to watch and films to watch and bedding down for January and all of that. We've had some lovely uh, items so far. If you've missed any of them, of course, you can listen back to the pod or any of our shows on uh, the Newstalk.com website or on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. But Natasha Rocketvine is back with us this week to give us her tips on decor for restaurants and bars and maybe how to replicate those designs in your own home. Welcome back, Natasha, to Thank the Home Show studio. back again. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us this morning, it's 53106 on text. And it is the Home Show at newstalk.com uh, on email. And Natasha, you are here because I know you do uh, a lot of commercial work in addition to all your interiors for home and all that kind of thing. And sometimes you go into like a hotel lobby or a fabulous cocktail bar and you think, God, I'd love to recreate that at home. Do you know, I'd like my dining room or my hall or my, you know, little nook in the corner to look like that. Uh, And we thought we'd have you in to give us some trade secrets about replicating you know, the lush interior or the cosy look that you might get in a bar or a restaurant into your own home. Um, Because I know that that's uh, something that you are very interested in. So you're going to give us some tips. And the first is to think or create a concept. Yeah, so um, as you said, when you walk into a hotel or a bar, I mean, some people like casual, I like to kind of go into a space that I'm inspired by. You yeah. know, if you walk into kind of an Art Deco space and you feel like you're in a Gatsby movie, that's my kind oh, of, I, I like to be moved by the space. And I think the best example of that, that that I know of is probably the sidecar bar in the Westbury Hotel. Love it. It's exactly the yeah. perfect example. You yeah. walk in and you just, and even walking in past like all the high tea, you know, in the left and then you yeah. go into the bar. It's just, it's absolutely stunning. The Westbury is such an inspirational hotel in that in that respect, and they also have Wild Restaurant. Have you ever been in there? It's yeah, very relaxing and kind exactly, of but stylish. So each of those spaces are perfect examples of how you're moved. And I think people go, "Oh, well, I like relaxed," but you're actually kind of you're subtly convinced in a relaxed mm. hotel as much as you are in a fancy. Mm. So the point is really the concept for me is what you're looking for. You know, the, a theme is different. It's putting together kind of colors and mood boards and furniture. Whereas a concept is what is this about? What are you trying to okay. vote? here. So I would always say it's a very simple plan is what's your favourite movie? What's your favourite song? You know, like it's really so if you think of I did an apartment for Rob's Wolf for Art Deco Gatsby and I thought of, um, you know, the movie and, you know, the literature and the, like I combined the kind of old school um, Scott Fitzgerald literature, like his old movie and the new movie with them. You know, just all like Hollywood actors and stuff like that. So I just, you know, I didn't want to get con- caught up in that. But I looked at that concept, like the studs and the shoes or the studs and the furniture and the, the, the glamour and mm. brought that into an apartment. So it's the same thing. And I brought in kind of a bar area as well. So it's very much about what is your concept and then bring that into the space that you're looking for. And okay. then move into the theme. Because you want to fall short of your your kind of sitting room or your dining room looking like a theme park. Oh, you know, it, it has it, to be yeah. relevant to your style. And the concept for me is kind of what 
what's this all about? And then what are you trying to evoke? Like, what am mm. I trying to feel in this space? And then you move into the theme, which is the more practical. You get your mood boards on Instagram, Pinterest, wherever you like, or just gather things together from magazines. And then you put together kind of like, you know, like um, a colour that you like or kind of a piece of wood or a mirror, whatever that is you're looking towards mm. and then images of that movie or that song mm. or whatever it is you're looking for. And you might just find a colour that lands with you or a, or a type of maybe a metal or or wood or whatever it is yeah. that, that evokes that feeling and for that you. And sh- sh- that could shape it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a movie or a song but it's really that kind of feeling that you're looking for. So if you're really looking to relax in this bar area or this kind of, you know, stylish area, whatever it is you're trying to evoke, go with that. And I think that's what that centres around. And Sinead, you have to stick to that because people get sidetracked. They go, oh, I want glamour and actually yeah. they don't. They have kids. They just want yeah. a chill out area yeah. and they want a casual, you know, for their friends to come over for. Like some people just want a home bar with a, you know, Guinness tap. Like that's great. Too, and actually you know? during COVID, do you remember the proliferation in home bars down sheds down in the garden? Absolutely. I mean, that's somewhere you could have huge fun with uh, designing uh, something because it doesn't have to be incorporated into your main living area. You you're not going to be having ones. spag ball with the kids while you're there. Exactly. And you can do what you like with it's it. It's more okay. of a, and I, I mean, people say man cave, but actually nowadays I think women love to have time out. Like, you know, <laughs> women are working, you know, it's very, it's more equal rights. Yeah. Now's the, the time to get rid of the, the kind of the den, you know, yeah, the blokey den and, 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 and regain it. I'm like, I'm all for equal rights on the bar. So, <laughs> you know, whatever it works. But yeah, if you're lucky to have a space that you can completely start from scratch, mm. you can make it casual, you can make it stylish, you can really go for it. And there's a lot of really brilliant companies that are more high end that can do that for you. But if you're just literally working from a shed, the same thing applies. And obviously you have to be, con- we're in Ireland, unfortunately, with the weather, you have to consider a lot of, you know, yeah. blankets and heating and all yeah. that kind of the practicals on Well, it. that in itself can kind of give you a theme. That hug a kind of that oh, Scandinavian yeah, kind of I mean. wood and wool. Super stylish. I mean, some people go to kind of casual pizzerias and that's where they relax. They like a pint. So it's very much about what you want. This is your home bar, you know, yeah. or your home area. So you really have to enjoy it. There's okay. no point in doing it otherwise. Okay. And that's, that brings us then to your USP. So, I mean, if in a hotel or in a bar, they're deciding who are our customers? What kind of person are we attracting here? But you yeah. can do that at home. You can say, is it just for family and friends? Exactly. Do I want to kind of kick up the entertainment quotient. Exactly. And some people might go, actually, you know what? Our kids have moved out. We want to like have a little mini renovation and we might add either in the garden or to the house. And this is a point where you go, okay, well, what's this about? Who's coming here? Is this going to, are we going to start to bring all the family back for Christmas or is this going to be more of a social Mm. house or are we going to, you know, we've had, like we have young kids so we can't, we want to sneak away from our kids when the babysitter or Nana's over. So it's very much deciding what this, who is this for really is the USP here. Yeah. And years and years ago when my kids were small um, we, we got a kind of a an extension on this, like just a one room yeah, which we exactly. made a playroom for the kids because you know what that's like playroom oh. I say playroom a dump room for toys you, you know door, and you close the door exactly, and there's a sofa in there and that's yeah, all they 100%. need but it allowed me regain what had been the playroom which is now a dining room yeah. and kind of think about what style and what yeah. you wanted in there and, and do it that way. Now I was uh, I was lucky enough I applied sneakily for um, a show that was on RT at the time called Beyond the Whole Door. Oh I remember that. And, uh, and they came out and they did it and it was it was great fun um, and we decided to go with a kind of an Asian 
team of Asian which I love. Asian is one of my favorite foods. And it was two, just fuchsia and glass so and bamboo, and it was just amazing. <laughs> but the funny thing was, when we went to sell the house, the new owner said, "As long as that's all stripped out, we buy it." <laughs> I know, but you're either into it or not. I, but I you know what it is. I think you, as a, I'm a, my mom, my daughter is uh, I'm a mom now. My daughter's two yeah. and a half, and you're looking for your identity. You know, as much as I absolutely love kids things and stuff, when you like, especially if you're in an open plan house, you're really looking for, you know, your mark on the house. So you're probably looking for your own Sinead, you know, your own really strong statement. And Asian's um, style is absolutely brilliant because it combines kind of a sense of um, sustainability with all the wood, but also style, you know, the Mm. prints and stuff. So it's a great theme to go for, Mm. you know, from a bar area. It's really slick. Is it important, Natasha, to have like it to be immediately obvious what you're trying to go with here. I think so. I think if you're going to spend money, I mean, obviously things are very costly. I've noticed in the last year, even running my own company, you know, things are very expensive. Dublin's become like like London or a major city in cost. So if you're going to use your hard-earned money to, you know, to create this, why not make a statement? I'm all for statements. You know, some people might so be subtle, but also as well, I think it, if you have kids or if, you know, people kind of know where to go, if guests come into the house, they kind of go to that area, you know, kind of gathers a zone as well. It creates that, that you, and that's where the USP is, what is the unique selling point here, you know, or what's the kind of statement here. And I think that's why yeah. grab a team, even if it's literally like the most neutral team ever, you notice it versus the rest of the house. And I think especially if it's a nook or something small, definitely, you know, yeah. make a statement here. And Because you, you don't want guests coming in and going, oh, what was it you're trying to do here? <laughs> you know, and it should be clear that this is like a reading corner, a cocktail yeah, bar. A, I think so. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, I think things like wallpaper are really great. You okay. Know, wallpaper can make a statement or like a painted wall, you know, feature wall. People don't necessarily like that. I like that. I, I like feature walls. I think they're very simple and like easy ways and like cost effective ways. Also, I'm actually building a house at the moment and we're working on, we have this tiny little nook area and my partner said, let's have a, like a desk for Freya but she's two and a half you know it's not like she's going to have a playroom she's very lucky she has her little zone but we're actually going to work with um, Kachina Lube Kitchens on a nook and a bar area and we're they have um, kind of a door cover because we have a young child so they have kind of foldable doors that come out. Mm. So that's another option too, is that you oh, could, if, you know, right. if you're going to go into the renovation side, you can get doors to cover it over. And we've seen that with pantries, haven't we? And exactly. breakfast cupboards. Uh, exactly. Where so you, you can, fold it over. You fold it over. Mm. So that's another option if you don't want that Asian fusion, in, you know, on a Monday morning. Or So mm. that's a really clever idea. This is a small nook we're just using because I think it's a really gorgeous space. We're going to maybe take out the doors on ours because we want a statement, but particularly with the young child, we might have to close it. Yeah. But it's another option is to put screens up or you know just look at ways to kind of zone it yeah. if you don't want that statement every single day. Okay so the next bit then and probably the most important yeah, bit important is part. to plan and budget 100%. because this is where you can lose the run of yourself because if you pick a theme like you know Art Deco Cocktail Bar you just will be bamboozled by what you could buy and, and is there a possibility or a danger you could overbuy then? Absolutely. And I also think, you know, as we were saying, this is your house. It isn't a hotel. So, you know, first of all, I would just say be really simple. Look at the, like, look at a floor plan. And if you don't have a floor plan, look at photographs. You know, take photographs, put it down and actually be logistical here. Where can I fit in a whole bar? You know, like you have to be smart. So things like bar carts are brilliant here. If you're going for, particularly if you're going for an art deco, but even Mm. if you're going for Asian, you could get a bamboo bar cart. So 
thing, just be careful with the space that you're not kind of overspending and getting things you don't need. But just make a list of the of what you need in that space or your goals or your, you know, your dream. And then what is relevant? Like, do you actually need all these things? And then research brands. There's also charity shops. I mean, we're blessed. I, mm. I think Ireland has some of the best in the world. Mm. Um, You know, local charity shops and vintage shops and auction houses and things like that are absolutely amazing. So I think look at those things and then also, you know, decide whether you want to hire people or do DIY. DIY is more fun. Um, <laughs> Um, but it takes says time. you. <laughs> well, I try. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes myself. But you know, just look at that and then prepare. You know, look. Okay, how are we going to do this around our work schedule or kids around? You know, for safety, if you're going to do wallpapers, you want you know young children running around. So just be logistical. Make a little plan, sure. a program, your budget timelines, and the rest. Absolutely fantastic as always. You are going to put some of those tips. I hope because you sent me in beautiful pictures. concept boards there. Yeah, and, and lovely stuff see. for people. So you yeah. pop them up on your website, which is. Oh, theinteriorsnrd.com. I'll put on my Instagram and then Excellent. it goes on my Natasha yeah. Rocketvine and you will find her there and she is always uh, fabulously uh, well sourced and colourful and all of that. So thanks a million Thank for coming for to me. us in. And that's all we have time for on this episode of the Home Show podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, do so at thehomeshow at newstalk.com uh, or indeed you can find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. We'd love to hear from you if you have work to share. If you have a guest you'd like us to have on, then we will try and facilitate that. And don't forget to check out past episodes and indeed all our shows up on newstalk.com or on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. Thanks to the producers this week, Aidan McKelvey and Aoife Breen and Stephen McLoon was on sound. Have a fantastic weekend and we will do it all again next time. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8 on News Talk.